You are listening to Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe. Thanks to Raya Eyewear for sponsoring this episode of Holding Court. I've been wearing Raya since last year. During the pandemic, I started teaching more lessons than ever before, especially outside. Raya are by far the best sunglasses for tennis I've ever used. Check them out at RayaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. And use the code PATRICK to get $20 off your first pair. They are total game changers. All right, everyone, time for this edition of Holding Court Tennis Tuesday coming to you live. Well, sort of live. It's Tuesday. I'm here in London. I'm actually at my hotel in the Chelsea Harbor area. I decided to stay at a hotel this year because of the uh, bubble, sort of pseudo bubble life we're leading. We had to spend five days at our place of residence. Normally, we stay in the Wimbledon Village. In fact, most of my ESPN colleagues are doing that again this year, but I decided to change it up this year. I can work out at the hotel gym and uh, take a taxi or hook a ride with my big bro. He stayed here for many years. So anyway, working out well, but on to more important issues, which you want to hear about, which is the tennis at Wimbledon. And uh, the final Manic Monday is in the books. It's Tuesday morning now. And I'm getting set for women's, or ladies, as they say, quarterfinal day. But let's uh, go through a little bit what happened on uh, this past Monday. Why is it the final Manic Monday? Because a club deciding... Uh, and announcing just before this year's tournament that they will play on Sundays from here on out uh, starting next year. Of course, the middle Sunday traditionally has been a day of rest here at Wimbledon unless there's significant rain during week one. So there have been times over the course of the years where they've played on the middle Sunday. But for the most part, it's a day of rest tournament deciding, uh, succumbing to uh, probably financial pressures, not that they need the money, but succumbing to uh, what's obviously a huge amount of money to play on that middle Sunday. I'm sure pressure from the BBC, uh, from ESPN as well, because uh, to have the programming on Sunday is obviously big for the TV networks, big for sponsors. And uh, the truth is, as we've seen over the even the last couple of days where there hasn't been a tremendous amount of rain, but enough rain to throw the schedule off a little bit. So when you don't have any play on that Sunday, uh, you run into players having to double up and play a couple days in a row, as will happen today with Medvedev and Hercotch. They've got to finish their uh, match from yesterday as uh, rain came late in the day. Luckily, they were able to get all the other matches in, uh, but that one still left... Uh, out there on the court. So they'll actually move courts and start the conclusion of their match. It's 4-3 in the fourth, Herkosh leading. Medvedev is leading two sets to one. They're going to put that on center court, uh, and that's likely because there's some possibility of rain today, so that way they know they can uh, complete that match because the winner of that will have to come back tomorrow, Wednesday, and play their quarterfinal against Roger Federer. So why don't we start there with Mr. Federer. I was able to call that match yesterday against uh, Lorenzo Sanago uh, with my big bro, Johnny Mack. I thought that that was best Fetter has looked by far in the tournament. Uh, serving, continuing to serve well. He served pretty well throughout the tournament, but I thought his aggressiveness was, was back, meaning any ball that landed short, 
that he could step in and attack. He was doing it. He wasn't thinking about it. I thought in the first few rounds there was a little hesitation with Roger. He was mishitting a lot more balls. Uh, the footing is much more stable now. That's certainly part of it. But I think it's for Federer, it's more about his timing, his rhythm, his confidence. And this guy, Sonigo, packed a punch. I mean, big first serve, pretty heavy forehand. The backhand was exposed a little bit, but athletic player, fun to watch, brought a lot of excitement to the table. Uh, got to five all in that opening set. And unfortunately for him, their rain delay came when he was serving at break, was a set point at 5-6. He had saved one. Member Federer served for the first set at 5-4. Up until that point, he'd been cruising on his serve. And he got broken at love. And then he broke right back again. And then it was uh, he saved a couple set points, did Sonigo. The rains came. And there was a pretty short delay. They did come back and have a four-minute warm-up because the roof closed, so they give the players the option to, to re-warm up for four minutes because of the change of conditions. So the both players uh, elected to do that. And then Sonigo double faults um, to, lose, to lose the set. So that was uh, a bummer. And Federer really, I thought, opened up after that, started to play a, a lot more freely, aggressively. Uh, was coming forward without hesitation, volleying extremely well. So this was a terrific performance from Roger Federer. And, and for me, uh, I mean, obviously, anybody who plays against Djokovic now is going to be a heavy underdog. But to me, this was the first time where I watched Federer. And I said, you know, as I said yesterday uh, on our sports center that my brother and I did, not, you know, I wouldn't call it vintage Federer, but it was as good as he's looked. And it, it made me think, okay, the possibility of another Federer-Djokovic final is definitely there. Not that I was thinking that there's no way it could happen. I mean, you're talking about Roger Federer. But I did think, excuse me, looked a little shaky in the first couple of matches. Got a little bit of a break in that win over Manorino. But anyway, great to see Roger playing back uh, at that level. Uh, and now he waits for the winner. This one today, Hercotch, by the way, was my dark horse, Herbert Hubert Hercotch. Uh, who you remember won the Miami Open, which was a huge win for him. Then he went into a little bit of a slump, but I love his game. All-court player, serves big, can come forward. I wasn't able to see any of this match because I was calling uh, a couple of the matches on center court, the Federer match and the Djokovic match as well, but they will conclude that match today. So if you're watching at home uh, in the U.S., that's at 1.30 local time, so that's uh, 8.30, yeah, 8.30 a.m., New York time, and we will be with you live uh, again on both networks today. So we'll start with uh, the women on court one. Uh, they will start off in 1 p.m. local time. This episode is being brought to you by Raya Eyewear. Over the last few years, a growing concern of mine has been the long-term effects of overexposure to UV rays from my extended time on court in the sun, you know, following that little yellow ball all over the globe. Well, I was also just tired of squinting on sunny days, but my fear was always that wearing sunglasses to protect my eyes would affect the way I hit the ball. Well, last year, especially during the pandemic last summer, I came across Raya, and I'm so, so glad that I did. Raya is changing the way tennis players see the game and protect their most important performance asset, their vision. All of their eyewear is handcrafted in Italy and built specifically to enhance ball contrast and provide protection from those harmful UV rays. There's no question that they help me see the ball better, they relax my eyes in the sun, and they've become an essential part of my tennis experience. 
Check them out at RiaEyewear.com. That's R-I-A-Eyewear.com. Use the code Patrick to get $20 off your first pair. I promise you will love these sunglasses. This episode of Holding Court is being brought to you by True. That's T-R-U, the lifestyle beverage. Absolutely amazing. Go to drinktrue.com to learn more. I suggest you try out the True Sampler, 30% off with the code Patrick. You've got, uh, we have 1 p.m. Pliskova against Golubich, and then you've got Muhova against Kerber. That's on court number one. And on center court, following Medvedev Hercats, you've got Shabor. What a story she's been against Sabalenka, finally getting through to the quarterfinals of a major as the number two seed. And then the number one seed, Ash Barty, takes on Tomjanovic uh, in an all-Australian quarterfinal. So that's nice for the Aussies. So back to yesterday to Monday, just quickly going through the matches that I saw. Djokovic was just rock solid against Christian Garin, the number one Chilean player who was a bit overwhelmed Uh, in the opening set, overmatched throughout the match, but he did play much better in the second set, pushed Djokovic there, uh, but it was no no question it was going to be three straight sets, and it was Djokovic just hitting the ball so cleanly, moving beautifully, very hard to imagine anyone uh, beating him uh, here at Wimbledon. He just looks that good, and now he's got uh, Fuchovic in the quarterfinals, who had a big win yesterday over Rublev, I wasn't that surprised with that. Rublev, a huge hitter, as we know, has had a great last 12 to 18 months, played well on grass, too. But Fukovic is uh, just solid. He's almost like a kind of a mini version, not quite as good of a version as Djokovic. I mean, he moves great. He can maneuver the ball well, pretty good serve, can come forward, you know, sort of a counter puncher, but a guy that can also hit the ball when he wants to. I think he'll give Djokovic a pretty good match. I mean, I think he might be able to sneak a set. He doesn't have that big weapon, but he's extremely consistent, very fit, very quick, uh, and very motivated. Well, actually, the question for me is how motivated is he now that he's into the quarters, which is a huge result for him. I think there's only two players in the history of his country, of Hungary. Uh, Tarazzi was one that have gotten through to the quarters of a major so unless he, you know, just happy with that uh, uh, and goes out there, not ex- you got to be extremely motivated just to play with Djokovic at this moment right now. Uh, but I think if he is, I think he can. And I think he can give him a pretty good match. Uh, yesterday, who else did we see? Great match with Sebastian Corda, the last American man saying, I just love his game. Uh, Hatchinoff and he played a bizarre final set. It was 10-8. Uh, the final score to Hatchinoff in the fifth set. There were, get this, 13 service breaks in the final set. Hatchinoff served for the match at 5-4, at 6-5, at 7-6. Finally, they both held a couple times. Hatchinoff then broke again and then finally served it out. And, and to me, this is the biggest, this clarifies to me what I thought in watching Sebastian Corda if he can beef up the serve, get more pop on the serve, because he's 6'5", 6'4", 6'5", moves extremely well, hits the ball extremely well. The forehand is cleaned up. He's got more spin on it. I still think he could get a little more acceleration on that shot, but it's a heck of a shot. His backhand is pure. It's smooth. It's clean. He moves forward extremely well. He counter punches well. Great match player. I love everything about his game and his demeanor. Uh, he's got to get more pop on the serve. 
He just turned 21. In fact, yesterday was his birthday, so that was his way to celebrate losing uh, a five-setter in the round of 16 at Wimbledon. But I think as his serve gets gets as he gets stronger, uh, as he gets more comfortable going, because he definitely can hit the serve. I mean, he's hit. I've seen him hit a few in the mid 120s, but for the most part, he's throwing in a lot of first serves around 109, 108 which is fine as a mix-up. But when you're that big and that imposing type of player, uh, and, and just at the highest level of the men's game, you need, to hit, you need to serve a little bit bigger, more consistently. And I think that hurt Korda. Hatchinoff, great tournament for him. I didn't expect him to go this far on grass. Uh, solid straight set win over Tiafo, who was disappointing in that match after having a nice run through to the third round. Uh, so Korda, the final American out, and American men's tennis continues to flounder at uh, this the highest level. There are a lot of solid players, but nobody that really looks like they're ready to make a huge breakthrough except for Korda. I mean, I think Korda, I said this a year ago, I believe he's going to be the number one American by the end of this year, may even be even sooner, uh, and I think he's a potential Grand Slam winner. Honestly, I don't see that with any of the other players. Riley Opelka was a huge disappointment here again. Uh, just looked like no energy, no effort. I know he pulled out the week before with an injury. Could that have been a factor? I don't know. Uh, but the bottom line is he just doesn't look like he's got the gumption, the uh, tenacity to go to the higher, the highest level. Uh, he's got the game. You know, he's got the height, which is obviously difficult to manage the body. Um, which I think overall he's done pretty well. But the hunger, the drive, you know, it's, it's there to a point. But to get to that next level, you need it, it, a little bit extra. And I've just at the moment, I don't see that. Tiafo's done well, but he's got those hiccups in the serve and the, and the forehand, which can break down a little bit on him. Uh, but I liked what I saw from him the first couple of matches, although how he, how he showed up against Hatchinoff was a little bit surprising to me. Taylor Fritz. A decent run for him, you know, especially coming off the knee surgery. Does he have the athleticism and the power, the speed to make it all the way to the top? I don't know about all the way. I think he could certainly get, I mean, he's been close to, has he been top 20 yet? He's been close. If, if he hasn't, top 15, possible, top 10, great serve, great ball striker. Just don't know if he has the just pure full-on speed to make it all the way. So American men, again, I mean, more of the same, couple solid players, uh, but disappointing not to see anyone step up. But I think you're going to see that fairly soon in Mr. Sebastian Corda. Uh, speaking of young guys, a young, two young Canadian guys, absolutely phenomenal uh, here. Shapovalov, of course, you saw him dismantle Andy Murray. Uh, and maybe even a tougher ask for him, just based on where the players are at physically, was to beat Batista Agu in straight sets. Batista Agu obviously is in the prime of his career, uh, just always a tough guy to beat. And Shapovalov just manhandled him the way he did to Andy Murray. So that was extremely impressive for Dennis. Boy, he's hitting the ball. Looks like he's just got so much time hitting the ball big off both wings, serving well, coming forward uh, a bit better. So he's into the quarter. So is Oje Eliassime. We took out Zverev in five sets, won the first two. Zverev came back and won the next two. And uh, Oje Eliassime, who's had trouble closing big matches and can get tight at big moments, showed a lot of resilience to win that fifth set. That was a huge win for him. Uh, so he goes into the quarters. It will be, let me see, I think it's Oje Eliassime against... I have to look at the uh, draw here to remind myself. 
Hatch Djokovic, Fukovic, Hatchinov against Shapovalov. Okay, so that's a hu- not huge, but definitely the favorite is Shapovalov in that one. And that was Berrettini. Berrettini took out Ivash. Berrettini's been just rock solid. He's got to be the favorite over OJ Eliasim in that quarterfinal. Uh, he, of course, won Queens, and he's just been rolling through the draw, serving bombs, moving well, pounding the ball off both wings, even showing a little bit of feel and a little guile. So I like Berrettini in that one. Uh, and then you've got Federer waiting for the winner of the Hercotch uh, and Medvedev match. All right, let's break down the women right now because um, they're coming up today. So if you're listening to this right now, you want a little preview. It'll be Barty against Tomjanovic. Love Barty in this one. Tomjanovic got the win uh, last night over Radikanu, who pulled out down a set in three loves. She appeared to be having some breathing issues and some pro- after a pretty competitive first set and won 6 4. There's a lot of long points and rallies. So we hope that the 18 year old who caught this country by storm is okay. As match sort of ended abruptly, she was having it appeared early in the second set. Uh, Radikanu, some trouble uh, catching her breath. So the doctors came out and uh, they, they pulled the plug on her pretty quickly. So Tomjanovic who's had an, an amazing turnaround in her career after some shoulder surgeries. And you remember she had Halep on the ropes at the Australian Open, couldn't close the door there. So she's, it's great to see her get the reward. But now she's got to play Barty today, who's just looked really, really solid. She took out Klajikova, uh, the French Open champ, yesterday. I picked Barty to win the tournament. I'm going to stick with that, although, I mean, you can make a case for pretty much any of the women left. It's a little bit of a crapshoot. Kerber... Rock solid back on her favorite surface grass. Of course, she won one of the warm-up tournaments in her home country of Germany. So she came in here with huge confidence and uh, just a little bit too solid, a little too seasoned for Coco Goff. Coco, a little bothered by the windy conditions, although to her credit, she didn't make any excuses about that uh, after the match. Four and four for Kerber, two tight sets, but Kerber just uh, counter-punching beautifully, maneuvering the ball around. Coco, just a little bit too inconsistent at times, but I love what I saw from her. She was my pick, was Coco Goff to make a, a deep run. Uh, she did well, made it to the round of 16, but uh, continuing to knock on the door. Muhova, uh, she's always played well on grass. A couple of times she's played here, she's been in the quarters, just an all-court. A little bit plays kind of like Barty, you know, with the slice backhand. She can come in as well with the two-hander, serves well, not huge, but well, moves well. Kerber's beaten her the times they've played before, but this is a different Muhova. I could see the Czech player winning this. I mean, if she handles her nerves, it'd be her first time, I believe, on center court. So that'll be an edge to Kerber because she's obviously got the experience there. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry, that's going to be on court one because I'm actually covering that match. So I better know where that's going to be. That's a court one match. Let me check the order of play here just so I make sure I got it correct. Yes. So that will be the second match after 1 p.m. on court one. I'll be covering that with uh, the one and only Mary Jo Fernandez. Looking forward to that. The first one on court one, the first match is at 1 p.m. local time. So that is 8 a.m. New York time. Pliskova against Golubich, the uh, only player left with a one-handed backhand from Switzerland. She took out Madison Keys yesterday. Keys did not play her best match, so she was a last American a woman to leave along with Coco Goff yesterday. Pliskova, you know, we were, I mean, I even, I think at times I even picked her to win either here at the U.S. Open a couple of years ago. I remember she did beat Serena uh, one year at the U.S. Open in the semis. I think she lost to Kerber that year in the final. Didn't she have that comeback against Serena when Serena twisted her ankle? 
as well at the Australian. So she was sort of knocking on the door. Then she's gone down a little bit. She's in her early 30s now, but she's the eight seed coming in. But I'll tell you, being under the radar for her is, is, is good, I think, when she plays without the attention. But now, you know, it's quarterfinals. She's a favorite, obviously, to beat Golovic. She should win that. Um, so I'm going to pick her to win that. I think it'll be Muhova. I'm going in the slight upset over Kerber, although by the seedings, I guess that she's, uh, she's seated slightly higher, but I think Kerber, based on her experience at Wimbledon, she's won three majors, would be the favorite. Barty, definitely going to beat Tomjanovic. I can't say, I shouldn't say definitely in the, in the women's game, as we've seen so many different champions, uh, quarterfinalists, semifinals. Story of the tournament, probably on the women's side at the moment, it's got to be on Jabor. I mean, what a tournament she's had. Beats Fiontech yesterday after dropping the first set 7-5, then wins 1-1. One one. Um, of course, you know, beating Venus earlier in the tournament. She's like on Sabalenka, who's finally lived up to her seeding as the number two seed, gotten through to her first major quarterfinal, hitting the ball big. That's going to be an interesting match. That'll be after uh, the Medvedev-Hercoc match completes uh, in the fourth set. And Jabor, you know, being the first Arab woman to, to make these kind of runs in tennis and women's tennis, absolutely awesome. She's so much fun to watch. Got the power, got the guile, uses the drop shots, the backhand slice. She's really got it all. And after dropping the first set against Fiatek, who to me is just uh, one of the most athletic, powerful players in the women's game at the moment, she just carved her up one and one winning those uh, last two sets. So, you know, her against Sabalenka is an uh, interesting matchup because you got the firepower of Sabalenka. You've got uh, all the guile and the shot-making um, of, of Jabor. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, they've both won 33 matches at the tour level this year. That's the most of any players on the tour. Both looking for their first major semifinal. Um, you, you, by the way... This will be the 30th time in the last 32 majors in the women's game that we've had a first-time major semifinalist. Crazy. Um, so not only did Jabor beat, as I said, Venus and Sviantec, but he also had a win over Muguruza, who um, you know ranked very high and, of, co of course, won Wimbledon. Uh, so she's already the first Arab woman to reach a major quarterfinal since the open era began in 68. Um, so uh, she did that at the Australian Open, by the way, for the first time. So it's the first time now she's gotten this far uh, in, in Wimbledon. There have been a couple of male players, guys that I actually played against. Uh, one I didn't play against. That was uh, Egypt's Ismail El Shafei got to the uh, quarterfinals at Wimbledon in 74. Hisham Marazi, who I played, uh, was a very talented lefty. In fact, the only lefty, here's a little tidbit for you, the only lefty other than Rafael Nadal to beat Roger Federer in a major, Hisham Arazi. He was talented. So was Morocco's, they were both from Morocco, by the way, Yunus Elanawi. You remember the Rockin' Moroccan? He was great. He just drubbed me one time at uh, French Open on clay. He was very good on clay, and I, I sucked on clay. Yunus uh, Elanawi now works at the, for the French Federation as a coach. Great guy and uh, lives in Paris. And he, remember, had that epic match with Roddick, if you remember, at the um, Australian Open. So history being made. Uh, it'll be the first time Australia has a female 
in the semifinals since uh, Dockage did it back in 2000. Um, so that is uh, very interesting. You remember, of course, the 1998 U.S. Open men's final, Rafter beat Philippousis to win his second uh, major title. Barty, by the way, uh, if she wins, will for sure f- f- come out of Wimbledon as the number one player in the world. The only way that Sabalenka can overtake her is if Sabalenka wins the tournament, wins the title, and Barty loses today in the quarterfinals. So that's what has to happen. Uh, I mentioned Muhova uh, getting to the quarterfinals a couple of times here in her, at the All England Club. Just a third woman since the Open Era began to make the quarterfinals in each of her first two. So it's her second main draw appearance. And the other two were Chris Everett and Yelena Dokic. Um, so uh, very interesting quarterfinal day. I like it when the men and the women play both at the same time, which I think is also part of the reason they're uh, maybe getting rid of Manic Monday. Because Manic Monday, there's so many great matches. But it, to me, there's too many great matches. And you can't watch them all. Uh, and it's even, even for us covering it on TV where we can, you know, we've got the ESPN coverage on center court. Then ESPN2, we're covering, you know, the outer courts. And even then... You, 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 the viewer, and even people that come on site, you, know, you can't see all the matches. There's so many. I mean, you've got great matches happening on, you know, court two, three, 18. And I think the round of 16 matches at majors deserve more to be on the bigger show courts, uh, despite the fact that, oh, they say, you know, Manic Monday, the greatest day in town. Ta- Overall, I think it's the right move, the right decision uh, to move it. Uh, I, I love to have the men's and women's matches going on on the same days. I know as you get deeper into the tournament, that becomes more difficult, uh, but that's what I like. So I'm going to uh, leave it right there for you as uh, the Wimbledon uh, second week continues here on the second Tuesday. And then, of course, uh, maybe later tonight or tomorrow morning, I can break down a little more for you the men's quarterfinals. Uh, as they will happen, of course, on Wednesday here at the championship. Sun starting to shine. Time for PMAC to get a little bit of a workout, to get my Raya sunglasses on because the sun's actually coming out. You've got to check out those sunglasses, by the way. Go to Raya, and uh, you can get, th- I think it's 20 or 30 bucks off. Can't quite remember, but whatever you do, go there and uh, get a nice discount. You put in your my name, Patrick, and I hope you're enjoying our coverage from the All England Club. And uh, keep posting to me, either on Instagram or Twitter, what you would like me to talk about moving forward here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.